Lies told. Relationships broken. Anger unleashed. What if I hadn't? Time wasted. Words unspoken. Forgiveness withheld. If only I had. Regrets. We all have them. Choices made. Missed opportunities. What if all our past pain could be turned into a fresh start? I've got plenty of regrets. I regret trying to dye my hair blonde a few years ago all by myself. It turned orange and took a very long time to grow out with all these dark roots that I had. I regret playing a game of dares with some friends, which ended up in me losing and having to eat a tin can of rabbit-flavored cat food. Nasty stuff. Don't try this at home. Here's a good one. We moved to Kentucky several years ago when I was studying at school, and we were there before the semester started. And there's a swimming pool on campus, and we went to it. I took our youngest daughter, Ailey, and she couldn't quite swim yet. She was real small, but the guy that was lifeguard there said she could jump off the high board if she wanted to, if I'd catch her in the pool and push her over to the side. It should all be fine. There's nobody there. And so we did that. She was having a great time. She got up the ladders, get on the board, jump off. I'd catch her, throw her over towards the ladder, and out she would get. All was going well till it wasn't. I'm being a typical father and paying no attention to what's going on. She jumped, hit me in the side, cracked a rib of mine. She swam just fine to the ladder and got back out. I sank to the bottom like a stone and needed a lifeguard to come and help me. I regret taking her there that day. We all have regrets. Some of them are funny. Some of them not quite so much. In the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, we find a story of a guy called Esau. Man, he's got some regrets. He's got a brother who's called Jacob. Listen to this story in Genesis chapter 25. Once, when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff. Typical guy, you've no idea what's on the plate. For I am famished. Therefore, he's called Edom. And Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me. And Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Maybe if Esau's life wasn't so out of control, he might not have made such a crazy bargain to give away his family inheritance for a bowl of stew. But he was controlled by his appetite for immediate relief. He looks quite foolish to us today, except for the millions of us that kind of wander around in his if only kind of big shoes. Those struggling with addiction, desperate to overcome the pain, do you know why Esau did it? People struggling to hold their marriage together, they've blown it apart by poor choices. You get Esau's sense of regret, I think. Regrets can often be pushed into three categories, I think. Regrets of action, the things that we do, that we regret doing, if only. You smack yourself in the forehead. Oh, why, why, why? 
Lies told. Relationships broken. Money spent. Anger unleashed. There's regrets of action. What if I hadn't? You want to get some more examples? Try one of the doors on Main Street. Open it and listen to the voices. There are also regrets of inaction. The Book of Common Prayer has this wonderful confession inside of it that says this. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we've done and by what we have left undone. The things that we've done, there's the regrets of action. And the things that we've left undone, that's the inaction part of it. Inactions, maybe time wasted, risks that we didn't take, words unspoken, forgiveness withheld. There's regrets of inaction. If only I had. Many people think regrets just fall into those two categories, but I think there's another one that we could pay some attention to. Regrets of reaction. Regrets that start with something else, something that's been done to us. We have to find a way to react to it. Perhaps it's a health diagnosis or a truth that's been uncovered. A rejection felt, betrayal experienced. When bad things happen to us, our initial reactions, not always our best reaction. And sometimes the way we respond leads to the sense of regret. What if I had? I want you to pay attention and listen and watch to this song. See if you can relate to some of it. I wish I would have said 
some hope for me and you Cause I love you and I miss you and I need you I'm so sorry for the words I used to hurt you Time keeps going by but time won't let me forget All the things I wish I would have said All the things I wish I would have said Thank you, Katrina. A guy called Daniel Pink's written an amazing book called The Power of Regret. And as he goes through thinking about regrets, he refers to a study that he called the 2020 American Regret Study or Project. It shows how common it is for people to experience regret. By far, the vast majority of people do and experience regret, regret repeatedly through our lifetime. He discovered that when he asked the question and didn't use the R word, the regret word, so just asked, you know, if you look back in your life, are there things you wish were different? 83% of people said they did. And most of them, the majority of them said that that was a multiple occasion type of thing. He discovered a bit of a demographic difference too. When we're younger, there's kind of an equal balance of regrets between regrets of inaction and action, reaction. It all spreads out well. But the older people they get, get by their 30s, by the time they've moved into their 40s, it's by far regrets of inaction that people are concerned about. And most of those are actually regrets to do with relationships. The most important and most common regret was a regret about human connection. We want to reach out, but we're afraid of what the other person is going to say or do, how they'll respond. So we don't. And we wait, and then we want to reach out, and we're still not so sure, so we wait some more, and then it feels worse, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And these regrets to deal with connection become so prevalent. I'm always impacted in our Bible stories by the story of Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, big, loud, strong, impulsive, quick to speak, slow to think. But when Jesus was arrested and going to be put on trial, Peter's there hiding in the background. Here's what happens in Luke's account of the life of Jesus, Luke chapter 22. But they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they'd kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a female servant seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, this man was also with them. But he denied it saying, woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting. Surely this man was also with them, for he's a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And at that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he'd said to him before the cock crows today, 
you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And he went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine? Imagine betraying your best friend. Imagine denying him. He can't believe what he's done. He can instantly feel the flames of regret in his life. Everything that Jesus has done for him and he's abandoned him, denied any knowledge of him. And he's overcome with the bitterness of his own regrets. Clinical psychologist Melanie Greenberg wrote an article called The Psychology of Regret. She says this big long quote, but fairly interesting. Regret can have damaging effects on mind and body when it turns into fruitless rumination and self-blame that keeps people from engaging with life. This pattern of repetitive, negative, self-focused, ruminative thinking is characteristic of depression and maybe a cause of this mental health problem as well. Regret can result in chronic stress, negatively affecting hormonal and immune system functioning. Regret impedes the ability to recover from stressful life events by extending their emotional reach for months, years, or lifetimes. In fact, regret is actually visible. Scientists using imaging neurotechnology have taken images of scans of people's brains as they experience regret, and they've seen what's called the orbitofrontal cortex light up. That's the part of your brain that's involved with both reasoning and emotions. And you can tell I hang out with a lot of neurologists these days to know this. But the point is that regret is not just something that's generally connected to random circumstances or ideas or thoughts. It is an emotion that is tied to specific thoughts. You don't feel regret in general. You feel regret about driving too fast on Barlow and that red light camera gets you going through there. We don't feel regret about our conversations, but we do about unfounded gossip and the things we said about someone that are not true. There's something specific in mind that causes our regret. So what do we do about it? What can we do with them? There's at least a couple of options. One of them paralyzes us. The other one can spur us into action. One's often referred to as the sorry cycle. We do something, perhaps on impulse, or as a result of a deep longing, and then we feel sorry about what we did. And we worry about it. We regret it. Until desire or impulse takes over again. And we do the same thing. And then we feel sorry about it. And we go around in this circle over and over again, stuck, getting nowhere. But today I've got good news for you. It's possible to break out of the sorry cycle because Jesus can do that for you. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done or who you were doing it with, Jesus can make it possible to break out of that sorry cycle. You see, the strong emotional response that we have to very specific experiences that we call regret, it can also become a useful corrective in our lives that helps us to be different the next time around. It can help us to begin to quit with the feeling sorry and start experiencing a better way of living. It can actually be a helpful thing. It moves us to action 
helps us get things better or get them right. Journalist Catherine Schultz said this, regret doesn't remind us that we did badly. It reminds us that we can do better. It just doesn't remind us we did badly, but that we can do better. Our regrets can launch us forward where we break out of the sorry cycle and allow feedback, a feedback loop to help us press forward. Feedback's what happens when the output of a system gets pushed back into the input. Sometimes happens here, you get feedback on sound systems. We know what that sounds like. But it happens in all sorts of systems, biological systems, social and emotional systems. The output, the result of our actions feeds back in and we just make a mess of things again. This sort of feedback can be positive or negative. The sorry cycle is this negative thing. We do something, we're sorry, we do it again, we're sorry. And life just seems to get worse and worse as we make poorer decisions. But a positive sense of feedback is different. If we learn from our regrets, if our choices help us to rewrite the script to choose to do differently the next time, regrets can make a difference. Maybe it's something as simple as, I hurt my friend badly. I regret that. But maybe she's ready to forgive me now. I wouldn't be surprised if she misses me as much as I miss her. You see the difference? Unproductive regret paralyzes, but productive regret catalyzes. We begin to move into action. Back to the story of Peter. Peter could have got stuck in his regret, but Jesus wouldn't leave him there. There's a second scene in Peter's story. We find him out in the lake, fishing with his friends, the other followers of Jesus, the disciples. Some of them, suddenly one of them, John, he recognizes a solitary figure on the beach. It's Jesus! And Peter, anxious not to waste another moment, jumps out of the boat, swims the shore, and discovers that Jesus is there serving breakfast. It's time for something to eat and for a conversation. In John 21, we read, when they'd finished breakfast, and Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. In fact, Jesus will ask him the question three times, do you love me? And three times Peter will respond, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Three questions that correspond to these three denials we just read about. Jesus is doing something in this exchange that helps Peter to start over again. In fact, what Jesus is doing is confirming their relationship. Implied in Jesus' question, do you love me, is the unspoken statement, because I still love you. Do you love me? Jesus didn't chastise Peter, didn't rehash the screw up that he'd made of everything. He didn't blow it off as though it didn't matter. Didn't give him the cold shoulder. Instead, instead he affirms his relationship with Peter and gives Peter the opportunity to affirm his love back that they could move on together. Jesus does another thing here in this conversation. After each affirmation of his love, Jesus replies to Peter and says, feed my sheep. Jesus had called himself the good shepherd. You might remember that image. And now he's asking Peter to help look after the sheep for him. He's giving Peter a role to play in God's kingdom and what will come next. 
You've got something to do, Peter. Don't let the past hold you back. Don't end up stuck in the sorry cycle. Come out of it with me and start over again. And here's what we need to understand. What Jesus did for Peter, what Jesus did for Peter, he wants to do for you today. He wants to do that in your life today. If you're stuck in a regret of action, something you've done, Jesus is saying, no matter what, I love you. I love you. You're stuck in a regret of inaction, something you didn't do. Jesus is saying, I'm still here for you. It's okay. And if you're stuck in a regret of reaction, he wants you to know you're not damaged goods. You're not put back on the shelf. He wants you and he loves you. So in our What If series over these next few weeks, we're not only going to recognize our regrets, today's theme, but we're going to learn how can we release them? And how do we invite Jesus to reframe them in our lives? And then what would it mean for us to celebrate and rejoice at the way Jesus can change our life filled with regrets? One more Bible story, I think, helps link all of these things together for us. It's the story of King David, the man after God's own heart. That's what he's called. And yet his life imploded and he destroyed the lives of so many people round about him by his choices and his actions. His men are off fighting a war. David's strolling around in the roof of his palace when he notices a beautiful woman in the house next door. It wasn't an innocent glance. And she was the wife of one of his most accomplished military soldiers, a man called Uriah. David's lust overcomes his better judgment. He calls for Bathsheba, has her brought to his house, and with no mention of consent, he takes her, knowing what he's doing is wrong, and then chooses to hide his crime and his sin. Quickly, everything becomes difficult for David. She sends him a note. I'm pregnant. Now David faces a choice. Will he deal with the regret of his sinful and criminal choices? Or will he try to hide it? He opts to hide. So he gets Uriah brought home from the battlefield. Weekend off. Go see your wife. Have a good time. But Uriah won't have it. He won't leave his king's side. That didn't work. David again choose, has, faces a choice and he chooses to hide again. He sends Uriah back to the battlefield. Only this time he makes sure that the general, when the fighting's going on, withdraws everybody so that Uriah's on his own and he'll get killed. Effectively, he murders him and he tries to hide once more. David's becoming quite skilled at hiding by now. He brings Bathsheba to his house. Marries her, she becomes his wife. Still no mention of consent. And it feels as though the regret has been pushed down. Everything's hidden away. Sort of. Till God sends a man called Nathan, a prophet, to tell David a little story that goes like this in 2 Samuel 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little 
lamb that he had bought. He brought it up and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his meager fare and drink from his cup and lie in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man and he was loath to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. So he took the poor man's lamb and prepared that for the guest who had come to him. David gets angry. He replies, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. For he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. I wonder how long the pregnant pause was before, David, before Nathan replied. You are the man. You are the man. David faces another choice. This time, he doesn't hide. He recognizes his regret. He recognizes the terrible things he have done. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And while our actions may not be anywhere near as extreme or criminal as this, Many of us choose to hide our regrets too. And here's the thing, you can push it down, but it will bubble back up again. You can think it's hidden away, but one day it's going to come back out again. It can be buried, but it's not dead because regret is a powerful thing in our lives. Maybe you're starting a new relationship. You want it to go better than the last one because the last one, you know the things you did that screwed up. You're trying to put your best foot forward. But it's still there, that regret. And it keeps tingling in your ear or your mind, telling you you're not going to do any better this time. Or maybe you're thinking about a new venture of some sort, maybe in business. You're really looking forward. Everything seems to be working. The bank's happy with you. Everybody's happy with the idea. But there's that voice in your head that reminds you of the screw-up the last time. How much money was lost. How many people were hurt in the process. And the regret comes to get you. You can try to press it down. You can't keep it there. Maybe today you feel like you need a Nathan moment. A moment to recognize your regrets. And with Jesus' help to break out of this sorry cycle that we just keep looping around in. An opportunity to start over. Danish philosopher Søren Kierkegaard he once said, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Life is only understood backwards as we look and learn, but it has to be lived forwards as we make different choices. As you look backwards, maybe you can recognize your regrets and you want to choose to stop that, to break the cycle and allow Jesus to help you. I want to pray for you today if that's how you feel. And I'm going to ask you in a moment or two if you do something just a little awkward and that would be put your hand up so I can see. Not to embarrass you. Just so I know. And if you're online, you have the opportunity to do that. You can click the little wave button in there or you could, courageous enough, you could write something. One of our hosts will be praying for you as you do that too. But I want to ask you today if you would raise a hand for me just briefly. Maybe your regret is relational. And you wish that you had loved better or that someone loved you better 
If your regret is relational, could you raise your hand for just a moment? Thank you. Wow, thank you. Maybe your regret is health-related, like me. Maybe you wish you'd taken better care of yourself, or you struggle with the question, why me, why now, why this? If regret's about your health, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Maybe it's a financial regret. You made some poor choices. You wish you'd been smarter. You wish you'd made different decisions, and now what? If you've got a financial regret, would you like me to pray? Maybe your regret's about purpose. You wish you had different goals or a different purpose in life. How did I get to be this old doing this? Or did I miss out? If you've got a purpose regret, could I see? Thank you. And maybe some of us, our regret is spiritual. You've taken steps that have led you further from Jesus and closer to him. You're not quite sure how it started, but it did. And you wish you'd paid more attention to him. You're not always sure how to find your way back again. If you've got a spiritual regret, would you raise your hand for me? Thank you. Whether your regret's one of those categories or something else, I want to pray with you this morning and invite you to pray with me. Father, thank you today that you love us so very much that Jesus gave everything for us that we could be made new. Thank you for the honesty in our Bible that shows us these stories of regret of people just like us or way more extreme than us, but also remind us that things can be different and you can create a new future for us. And just like I saw some hands today, you saw a lot of hearts. You know the pain in our souls, the regrets that we carry, the things we wish we could have done differently and we don't know how to change. Lord, I pray today that you would bring healing to us where we hurt most, where emotions are red raw and regret keeps coming back to tear us apart. We pray that you would heal us and forgive us and renew us. Thank you that Jesus comes to help us break out of this cycle of just spinning round and round, but comes to set us free and bring you hope. Thank you today that Jesus reminds us that he loves us and he's never going to let go. And so today we pray that as we recognize and own up to our regrets, that you would do something that would change everything. And we would discover again the wonder of your love and grace and acceptance. We pray in Jesus' name for his sake and his kingdom. Amen.